We're going to be starting a brand new series uh, this week. This series will probably take us um, to into November easily and maybe until the end of November, just kind of give you an idea of the time frame that we're looking at. But the name of this series is called Weeds or Wheat. Weeds or Wheat. I'm going to explain to you why it's entitled that in just a minute. But first, before we kind of get into that, I want to ask you a question. I want to bring you back a little bit, you know, as, as things are getting closer to the holidays. I don't know about you, but I tend to kind of reminisce about things when I was a child and, and things that I remember and all that good stuff. But I want to ask you a question, and it's going to be on the screen. Have you ever said these words before, when I grow up? When I grow up, I, I, I've always enjoyed that conversation with kids. I've always enjoyed having that conversation because it's interesting to hear what they have to say. And sometimes, you, I don't know about you, but I found kids that are very, very like serious about that. Like they're very like, when I grow up, I want to do this. And, and then there are other kids, you know, and you go, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And then there's other kids that you say, when I grow up, and they want to you know, be something out of the world crazy. And I've always enjoyed listening to kids say that. But here's the thing about that comment. When I grow up, is it's looking ahead, and it's looking going, you know, when I get older, later on in life, I want to do this. And what's great about that comment is it, when we take that understanding, that knowledge, and we go, I want to grow, I want to grow into this. And then when you actually see people or kids begin to take the steps to accomplish what they want to do. A lot of times, unfortunately for us, in, in a spiritual sense, is we'll say things like, well, when I grow up, I'll do this for God. Or when I get to this place, I'll do this for God. And unfortunately, we never actually take the steps to get there. It would be horrible in, in, a, in a sense of, of just normal life for a, a young kid who really wants to be an astronaut, let's say, but they refuse to do the things that are necessary to become an astronaut. That would be sad because a lot of times, and let's say this kid has the brain power to do it. Let's say they have the ability to do it. Let's say they have given, they're given everything that they need to become an astronaut, but yet they refuse to take the steps early to do that. No one has ever said one day, I want to be an astronaut, and the next day they're on a rocket ship heading off into space. It takes time, it takes a plan, and it takes something that basically you're growing into. This, this, this series, really Weeds and Wheat, really has a focus here on our growth and, and how we're growing, the steps we're taking, because spiritual growth doesn't just happen. It's not just something that we wake up one day and all of a sudden we're more mature in Christ. It is steps that we take now that begin to work in our lives to get us to where we want to be. One of the things that's very important here in this church, and it's out there on the wall, if you walk past it every Sunday, you see it. it has, it's, on, it's in wood, so it's you know, going to last. But it says, if, if, we're, if you're green, you grow. If you're ripe, you rot. What's that mean? It means if you ever feel like you've arrived, you're starting to decay. We as Christians need to always be growing. We need to always be learning. We always need to be understanding new things. But that is steps that take, take place early, and then we begin to see those things taking place. I don't want us to be a, a, a people that say, when I grow up, I'll do this, and we're not taking the steps today to fulfill the dreams and the destiny that God has for us. Our, our main verse that we're going to be looking at during this series is found in Galatians 6. And in Galatians 6 and 7, we're going to start with the uh, New Living Translation. 
And then we're going to, I want to look at a different translation. I think it really brings some things out. But before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. God, I pray that you would use me this morning, that you would help me to communicate clearly. And that, Father, that your spirit would take my mouth and my words would cease and yours would begin. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Galatians 6 and 7 says this, don't be misled. Don't be misled. Other translation says don't be deceived. Okay? Don't be misled. Don't be deceived. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, again, if you have your Bible, if you have one of those old-fashioned ones with paper and you have a highlighter, or if you have a, your, your phone and you can highlight, do me a favor, highlight the word always. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. nature. But those who live in, to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. In Galatians 6, 7, in the message version, Eugene Peterson wrote a paraphrased version of the Bible. And, and, and I like to sometimes look and see what he said because sometimes he brings some, some little more depth to it. And I don't like to use just the message. I like to use uh, a regular translation and the paraphrase. But I wanted you to see this because I think it's important. So let's now go to the message version of this. And this is what it says. Again, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Now this is where it kind of broadens out a little bit, and I like it. It says, the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, and in fact going even one step further, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. You see, here's the issue, and here's where the, the, the topic and really the, the, the title even of the message came from. When we look at this scripture, what we're seeing is quite simple. You are going to either plant and harvest weeds, or you're going to plant and harvest life. Now, I like the, the W and the W, and so I've always understood that through, through history, one of the most important crops we have ever had as human beings is wheat. Why? Because we take wheat, we grind it down, we get flour, we get bread. Bread is life. Bread has sustained a lot of people for a number of years, okay? And so you got one choice here. You got weeds or you got wheat. You got, you got death or you got life. There is not an option. There is not a third option. You are planting. You are going to harvest. Always. Always. And we've got to understand that. We've got to understand that in a lot of ways... We are all doing this constantly. And a lot of times we, we want to look at our lives and we want to see it differently. But there are rules, there are laws that God has set in place. And this is one of them. This is one of those kingdom concepts that we really need to understand. This is not one of those that you can skip out on. I don't like that one. I don't want that one to apply to me. This applies to all of us. We're going to plant. We're going to harvest. We all are going to do that. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. I want you to look at it. See that picture up there? Now, out of curiosity, what is that item up there on the screen? Anybody? Can you see it? What is that? What? 
a weed whacker. Good job. Wrong, but good job. That's a trimmer. That is a grass trimmer. If you look it up, that's a grass trimmer. Now, here's the thing. I knew that you would say that. Why? Because what do we use this item for? We whack weeds with it. There's one problem with that. When you whack weeds with a weed whacker, you have just caused a problem to get worse. Why? I know this. I have used a weed whacker on weeds. What does a weed whacker do? It's a little thing. Spins around, and you take it, and you put it on a weed. What happens? It cuts the weed. It looks kind of nice, doesn't it? Oh, look, the weed is gone, but you haven't touched the root. Not only that, but when you hit that thing, if, listen, if, if you, you're dandelion with the, with the puffy top, I don't even know what that's called when it's got the puffy top on it, but this, you know, when you're a kid, you grab it and go, and it goes everywhere. Okay, you take one, you go to a field of those things, and you take a weed whacker, and you go, guess what you've just done? You've just seeded the entire field with more and more weeds. But see, that's what we tend to do. We tend to think that what we need to do is, is, is as we are experiencing these things in our lives, we go, oh my goodness, look, my life is full of weeds. And so we go and we go grab our weed whacker and we start to go, and go, look, oh, how great it looks. And then a day later, we have more weeds all over the place. A weed whacker is not going to fix the problem. And that's what we do a lot of times in our lives. We think that we can do that. Look in your notes. This is important that you understand this. We need to stop just using the weed whacker and start concerning ourselves with what we plant in our lives. You see, what's the problem a lot of times? We're planting things. We're planting selfishness. We're planting things that are not of God. And we're harvesting weeds. We're not going to harvest anything better than wheat. We're not going to harvest wheat until we start planting wheat. Okay? And that's what we like to do. So in a lot of ways, as we're looking at these things, we need to understand that. And that's kind of what we're looking at as we move into our first thing that we're trying to focus on this morning. And this is kind of the intro to the entire series. We're going to get into something a little bit more in depth later on, but, but just kind of an intro this morning. And this is what we need to do. We need to change what we're planting. We need to change what we're planting. Okay? Because again, God, God, God will not be mocked. God is justice. We, we, we don't, I don't want you to be misled here. Okay? I don't want you to be misled. But the problem is this. Most of us change at the point of pain. Most of us change at the point of pain. Because we don't like change. Most of us don't like it. We, we're, we're used to kind of planting these things. But we need, we need to do that because here's the thing. But what if we were willing to change before pain forced us to. Let's look at this in a, in, a, in a physical way, okay? You go to the doctor, okay? You haven't been taking care of yourself probably the way you should. You haven't maybe been, been sleeping enough or maybe you haven't been eating the right things. And the doctor looks at you and says, hey, listen, you need to change some things or you're going to die of a heart attack tomorrow. A lot of times, that's the only time that we will change. God here is asking, listen, I don't want you to change at the point of pain. I want you to change ahead of time. But that's not easy to do because a lot of us don't like change. So let's look at Jesus. Let's look at how Jesus handled this situation. And we're going to find it in Hebrews 2, or 12, 2. And this is what it says. We do this 
by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We're focusing on him. So let's look to him to help us understand how to change before the pain comes. The champion who indicates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. What does that mean? What did Jesus do? Jesus knew there was pain coming. He knew there was things, but he was able to look past it because he said, you know what? I can plant something now and there's going to be an amazing harvest later. Jesus was able to look ahead and say, you know what? There's joy coming. There's something greater coming. But a lot of us, we're so focused on today and we're honestly so focused on ourselves that we forget there's something greater on the horizon that God wants to do in us and through us, okay? Jesus understood that his perspective was different and higher than ours, and we need to have the same. But I got good news for you. Look at Romans 8.11. In Romans 8.11, it says this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The power that raised Christ from the dead, the power that took a dead thing and brought it alive again is in us. It is in you. It is in me. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. I got great news. Listen, a lot of times we think, oh man, I got to plan on my own. I got to harvest on, our, on my own. It's all up to me. No, 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 no. No, you need to understand something. God is empowering you to do this. God wants to partner with you in this. Now, it's not that we sit on the stool and do nothing. Okay, it's not that. But in the same way, we don't turn the coin over and think it's all on me. Christ has empowered us to accomplish these things, it will partner with him. A lot of times, just to be honest, we don't partner with him. We want to do it on our own. But I want you to catch this because I want you to remember these words. They're in your notes. And I want us to remember these, and I'll probably hit them every week, so just get used to hearing them, so that we can remember this. But here's the thing. God wants you to grow, and God helps you to grow. God wants you to grow, and God helps you to grow, okay? You, you, you need to understand that, okay? You need to understand that because we're all planning. We're all harvesting. We're all doing these things, and this is not something that just stops. It's something that goes on and on and on. As long as we're taking breath, we need to understand that. So here's what we're going to do. Over the course of this series, we are going to look at the life of David to help us to understand these concepts. We're going to look at this idea of growth and change and harvesting and planting within the context of David's life. And I really enjoy David. David's one of my favorite characters. And I know some of you, oh, I, I know a lot about David. Listen, there is a lot, I, trust me, that we don't know about David. There's, David's life spans a lot of verses. And we can learn a lot because we see him way, way early. And we see him way, way late. And we see everything in between. And the, the great thing about David's life is we see some amazing, powerful, great things. And we see some really, really, really 
bad things. We really see uh, David harvesting at times uh, weeds and some nasty weeds, but other times we see him just, just harvest of wheat, and it's just an amazing journey. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the life of David. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to really quickly kind of start this and kind of look at the life of David together. But before we get into David's life, we need to take a quick step back and look at where we're going to lead into it this morning. So we're going to start in 1 Samuel 13. In 1 Samuel 13, let me give you a little idea of where we're at. Uh, at this point in time, King Saul is the king of Israel. He was Israel's first king. And, and it started off very, very well, but Saul begins to disobey. He begins to do things his own way. Listen, in a lot of ways, Saul is a perfect example of somebody who begins to turn inwardly, begins to listen to his own heart, follow his own desires, do his own thing, and he begins to harvest weeds. This begins to happen a little bit more and a little bit more. When we finally find ourselves in 1 Samuel 13, it's finally come to a head. And this is what it says. This is... This is what uh, is being told to Saul by Samuel. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Remember, don't be misled. Don't be deceived. You will harvest what you plant. We all will. And Saul here is harvesting those weeds. Okay? So, so in our story, basically Saul is still king. But God has basically said, your, your, your kingdom will not continue. I'm going to find someone else. So that's where we pick up our story in 1 Samuel 16. In 1 Samuel 16, God is speaking to Samuel, verse number 1, and this is what it says. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So basically in our story, Saul has been rejected, but he's still king, okay? He's still king. So God says to Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to look for somebody named Jesse, and out of his sons, one of them I'm going to choose to be king. Now Saul, Samuel's like, well, wait a minute, if I do that, I, I could be killed. And so, so basically God tells him, listen, I want you to go, and I don't want you to tell them while you're, wh why you're there, what you're there for, basically. Just tell them you're going to have a, uh, we're gonna have a sacrifice and all these things, which they do. And so basically, uh, that's what happens. He finds Jesse, he goes to Bethlehem, Samuel does, and that's kind of where we pick up our story with, at verse number 6. Okay, so 1 Samuel 16, verse number 6. When they arrived, so let me stop there for just a second. Basically, he's arrived and he's called everybody together. So Jesse and all his sons are there and Samuel's there. And they're not quite sure what's going on, but that's, that's the situation. It says, when they all arrived, Samuel took one look at Eab, Elab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. He takes one look and says, this has got to be the guy. This has got to be the guy. Now, here's the interesting about this. We're going to see in just a minute in verse number 7 what, what, what Samuel's really doing. But Samuel looks and he sees and he goes, dude, that's it. 
that's the man. He, look at him. I mean, he looks like a king. And here's what's kind of sad about that. And listen, Samuel's an amazing man of God, but nobody's perfect. Uh, and, and so Samuel goes, man, this is it. This is, this is the guy. This has got to be the guy. It's interesting that Samuel has made a mistake that we tend to do a lot. And what's interesting is, is he's making the same mistake that he did with Saul. You see, the Bible tells us that Saul was a, like a head length taller than everybody around him. Okay, So it's like if, if everybody was six foot, Saul was like six foot six. I mean, you know, he was just bigger. He was taller. He looked the part. And so what Samuel do? He makes the same mistake. He goes, that's got to be the guy. He looks like it. You know what I love about scripture? Hear me on this. It's like God purposely uses the people in a lot of ways that don't look the part. Like, I really believe this. If we actually saw what some of these guys and gals actually looked at we'd go, or looked like, we'd go, them? Are you kidding me? This guy? This gal? No way. Surely there's somebody better. And Samuel makes that mistake. He makes the same mistake. And so God continues. This is why we really see a very popular verse in verse number 7. So let's look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge him by his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Goodness gracious, we could do a 10-week series just on that. Okay? We're not. Don't Everybody breathe. Everybody's like, oh, no. No, we're good. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see things. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You ever heard the phrase, don't judge a book by its cover? You know why we say that phrase? Because 99% of us judge a book by its cover. We go, this has got to be the guy. And God says, no, you're looking for the wrong things. You're looking at the wrong things. So let's continue with our story. 1 Samuel 16, with verse number 8, it says this. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But but Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimeo. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Now, I want you to stop and think maybe what Samuel was thinking in this moment. He's like, okay... you know, it's like, you know, like you go, okay, okay, is this, nope, okay, okay, nope, okay, nope, oh, nope, 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 nope. And he's like, okay, I'm ready for the next. Ain't nobody there. I bet you Samuel's like, oh man, did I miss God? Was I supposed to go to Bethlehem? Was I, maybe, maybe I was supposed to go to another city. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Jesse, maybe it was, you know, Jacob or something. You know, what have I done wrong? And that's kind of what's interesting because now we pick it up in verse number 11. And, and in verse number 11, then Samuel asks, are all these, are these all the sons you have? You know, it's like this moment, he's like, uh, uh, is this it? You know, is there any more? You know, we, we talked about this before, you know, the number seven is really the number of completion in the scriptures. So, you know, he's sitting there going, oh man, I, I, I may have to leave really quick and kind of be embarrassed. He says that, but this is interesting. He says, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats send for him at once samuel said you can just tell this like okay good all right good send for him at once samuel said we will not sit down to eat until he arrives 
Okay? Now, you need to understand something. This is in your notes. Because we'll sometimes read things in Scripture and, 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 and we kind of lose something in translation. Okay? We, we see this word youngest. Okay? You see that word? When you really look at it, and again, this is in your notes, the word youngest in the original Hebrew means a little bit more than just someone that's not old. It literally means rejected, despised, and an outcast. That's his father. That's his dad. He's basically saying, yeah, there's one more, but you know what? He's a little cuckoo. He's a little weird. He's a little off it. So yeah, he's out watching the sheep. And remember, watching the sheep was not a job you wanted. It was not highly thought of to be a shepherd. And so basically his own father has basically said, you know what, he's nothing, he, he, he's, he's weird, he's different. He's out there playing his harp all day. <laughs> and he kind of belongs out there. He didn't, his dad didn't even call him to meet Samuel. And Samuel says, no, go get him. So now let's pick it up in Samuel 16, 13. Or 12, I'm sorry, thank you, and then 13. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. Now let's go ahead and go into verse number 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And this, I love this scripture. This is such a beautiful scripture. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on powerfully came upon now, now remember samuel has not come out and said hey listen how, how's everybody doing good yes i'm god's prophet i hope you're all doing well listen i'm here to anoint the next king of israel so if you're going to line everybody up and we'll kind of get this figured out and move on so we can have some dinner and say that he just basically says bring your sons before me god speaks to him and says that's the man that's the guy the, the crazy one, the weird one, the shepherd. He takes the oil and starts to pour it on David's head. The Bible doesn't say, and Samuel said, I am now anointing the next king of Israel. He just poured. Can you imagine what must be going on? They're like, David's in there going, why am I got oil on my head? I mean, remember, he's already a little weird. His brothers are like, dude, what, what are you doing? Wait, his dad's like going, uh, is this legal? I mean, what, what is going on? Nobody knows. He's just pouring it over his head. But in that moment, there is a rush and the spirit of the Lord powerfully comes upon David. It's an amazing moment in David's life. Even though he's seen by his own family as being somewhat weird, strange, and rejected, God chooses him. God's Holy Spirit, which is a lot of times represented by that oil, is poured on David. And in that moment, the Spirit of the Lord comes powerfully upon him. Powerfully upon him. As we kind of close this one, and I know this morning we're not going to spend a ton of time in David's life because, um, uh, you know, we're kind of doing a little bit more intro. Next week we'll get into a little bit more but, but I want to leave us with, with, a, with a thought that I think is important as we move through this series and that we all need to remember, and it's in your notes, point number three. God sees me differently than I see me or others see me. 
Because here's the deal. I, 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 I'm, this is not my first rodeo, okay? I know a lot of times what people think when you start talking about growth and spiritual growth. There's a lot of times where the enemy starts speaking and starts saying things like, well, you know what? Well, you're fine. You're good. You're, you're, you're good. You don't, you don't need to worry about that. You know, so-and-so, boy, oh boy, but they need to grow. Or, or we'll sit there and we'll think, you know what, I, I, I can't grow. I don't know how to grow. I don't know what to do. I, and we, we just begin to make all these excuses and all these things. We really begin to belittle ourselves a lot of times. It's amazing when God calls people to do amazing things in Scripture. You know what we typically see? Not all the time, but you know what we typically see? They look and say, God, God, what do you mean me? I'm the weakest. I'm the smallest. Moses says, I can't even speak. Gideon says, I'm the youngest in my family. David's an outcast. And yet God says, no, 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 no. You don't see yourself the way I see you. And I went one step further. Others as well. David's own father didn't even bother to call him. His brothers were probably looking at him like going, really, what, 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 this, the runt of the family? This is the guy? And we tend to listen not only to ourselves, but others, and we forget to hear that God sees us differently. God sees us in a different way. Look at Ephesians 2.10. In Ephesians 2.10, I love this verse. It says this about you and about me. We are God's handiwork we are God's handiwork God is working on us God is forming us we see this idea again in in, in the Old Testament uh, when Jeremiah goes to the potter's house and God is forming us and making us we are God's handiwork we're being formed we're being shaped we're being moved created in Christ Jesus to do good works now, that would be great if you stopped right there. But Paul continues with a little bit more. It says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is forming us now because he can see what we're going to be later. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us now. It doesn't mean that God can't use us now. Well, what it means is that God looks at you and doesn't just see what you can accomplish in him and with his help today. He can see what you're going to be able to do with him as you grow and mature 10, 15 years from now. He is forming you and making you. He's putting us together in a powerful way. But here's the deal. If all we see is what we are today... We will not take the steps. We will not plant the things that will be a harvest later on. And unfortunately, the option to not be planning isn't available to us. We're always planning. We're always harvesting. But if we see sometimes ourselves or we allow others to tell us who we are, we will miss what God has in store for us. And instead of having a situation where we are harvesting wheat, we're harvesting life, we're harvesting those, those promises of God. Instead, we're harvesting weeds. We're harvesting weeds. Remember, do not be misled. God will not be mocked. 
God's justice is true. What you plant, you will harvest. There are no exceptions. And look, you can look at that as the worship team comes up. You can look at that in one of two ways. And I'm going to encourage you and me to look at it the second way, okay? I spoiled it already. The first way is, oh my goodness, I, 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 there's almost this scared mentality. It's almost I'm afraid to move because weeds and, and weeds are going to come up. And what do I do and how do I hit? Listen, don't look at it that way. Because that is, I do not believe is what God wants you to see. What I want you to see is the promise that says, listen, if you plant the right things, if you will, in, 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 if you will allow God to do in you what he wants to do in you, if you will partner with him, you will harvest wheat. You will harvest life. I want this, I, this needs to be an encouragement to you. Don't let the enemy turn this and turn it into, oh, a negative. Oh, oh, you're a horrible person. You're, you're producing weeds. Listen, hey, let's be honest. We all at times have some weeds in our lives, okay? The problem with that is like we talked about, we take the weed whacker and we think, okay, it's all good. No, no, no. Let's let God come help us pull the weeds out, but then let's plant the right things. Let's plant the good things. Let's plant the things that bring forth life to us and through us. In us and through us. But remember, remember, God wants you to grow and God will help you to grow. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at the life of David together. Some of the stories you're going to know, some of them you're probably not. And that's good. I, I, I enjoy that. But one of the things that we have to understand, and one of the reasons that we'll talk about it every week, one of the reasons why this series is called Weeds or Wheat, is because we've talked about it. We're all planting. We're all going to harvest. And for a lot of years and for a lot of times, for a lot of us, we've never quite understood why when we look at the garden of our life, all we tend to find is weeds. Or maybe we'll find a little bit of weed over here in the corner, but there's just a majority of weeds. And because we don't want anybody to know about our weeds, you know, we run out real quick. We grab our weed whacker. And we go... A lot of times that's what we do for church. We, we spent the whole week planting and harvesting weeds... And we go, oh my goodness, it's Sunday morning. I got to go to church. I'm going to be online, whatever. And we go grab our weed whacker and we go. <laughs> we walk in. Paul says, hey, how are you? Great, fine, awesome, everything's great. We leave. And because we didn't take the weeds out at the roots, they come back and they grow even bigger. And then what do we do next week? More weed whacking. And it just spreads and spreads and spreads. Listen, here's what's great about God. God can come and with his help, he can eradicate the weeds we have, no matter what they are, okay? And God doesn't just come in our lives and use a weed whacker approach. God, you know, you, you ever see those like Roundup or whatever, kills at the roots. That's what God does. God gets deep down and listen, he turns up the ground to get down to those roots. And you know what? Sometimes that hurts and sometimes that's painful and sometimes that's change that we don't like. But listen, it's got to get be done because that's how we get down to the roots. But here's what's great about that. 
I don't know much about gardening, but I know a little bit. And I know when that soil has been churned up, and when that soil's been prepared, guess what? Now it's ready to really grow. Now it's been churned. Now all the stuff is ready. So when you, with God's help in our life, when we plant that wheat, we plant that life, we plant that righteousness, we plant that goodness and grace and love, man, it doesn't just barely grow. It booms and grows. And now we have that life. And we can share that life. So you go, you know what? We look at ourselves and and we let other people tell us who we are. We let other people tell us. And we're sitting there going, you know what? My life is full of weeds. I promise you, you let God come in. You let God do something big. And God will get down to those roots and he'll remove them. But listen, it's not about the weeds. It's not even necessarily about the wheat all the time. It's about what are you planting in those places? What are you planting? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend just a few moments, and I'm going to turn it over to the worship team and John, and, and we're going to sing a closing chorus. But, but I want us just to spend a couple moments, and I'm going to pray with you and for you. And I want you to take this moment to really kind of inspect your garden, if that makes sense. Because we've got to get some things ready, okay, for what I believe this series that God wants to plant and grow in us. And remember, you're not on your own. God wants to help you, and he wants you to grow. He's, he's going to help us, okay? Don't feel discouraged. I can't do Listen, you can do this with God's help. We can all do it with God's help. But we need to first start and look. And so, Father, right now, as we look at our garden, Father, I pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, you would begin to reveal to us what is there. Are there weeds? Are there things that we, quite honestly, maybe from some of us for years, have just kind of used the weed whacker on and just been like, you know, I just, I just don't want anybody to see this. I just, but we don't understand that they're just, it's just spreading them. It's just making it worse. And God, today, we need to go to you, no matter what those weeds are. And we need to have you come and begin to yank those things out from the roots. Yeah, it's going to take some change. Yeah, it's maybe taking a little bit of hurt. But you know what? It's got to be done. It's got to be done. We don't want to wait until it's so painful that we have to change. We want to allow you to do it now because we, like Jesus, we see what's coming. We see the harvest. We see the wheat. We see the life that you bring. but we need you to help us clear the plot so that what we plant can truly grow. Father, you love us no matter what our garden looks like. You love us no matter where we're at. But God, no matter where we are, you want us to grow in you. We understand We will not be misled. Help us to, instead of using the weed whacker, to begin to plant the things of God that you want us to plant. And then know that you promise an amazing harvest in our lives, in our church, in our community, and in our world. You're so good. You're so good. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus.
Thank you, Father. <clears throat> As we close, I want to leave you with one, one thing, okay? This series, if everything goes to plan, which we'll see what happens, okay? But the plan is that this series is going to last till about the, somewhere around the end of November. Okay? I want you to join with me in something, okay? I want us to look ahead and know and believe and trust that there is going to be a harvest in our lives at the end of November, okay? Like Jesus did, he, 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 he looked ahead of what was coming. He said, I gotta plant now till I get the harvest later. We don't plant and tomorrow it's, it's there, okay? So in this series, we got about six weeks or so, okay? I want us to begin to look ahead. I want us to begin to say, you know what, God? As I plant things now and as I plant things next week and I plant things a week out and I plant things during the week, I know and I believe that there's going to be a growth in me. There's going to be a new life in me, a new harvest in me, in my family and in my school and in my community. I believe that as I plant things today, there will be a harvest then. Will you believe that with me? Because I believe that God wants that to take place. I believe that God wants us to grow. I believe God will help us to grow. And when we partner with him, great things will happen in us and through us. So Father, right now, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in us and through us in this series. That when we look ahead to, to in the end of November, around Thanksgiving time, we're going to be able to celebrate. We're going to be able to say thank you for what you're doing in us, for the wheat that you're producing in us that goes out and not only feeds us spiritually, but feeds others spiritually. Father, we are excited about what you're going to do. Because we know you are awesome and you do great and mighty things. We love you. We thank you. And we ask that you would go with us today as we go. Help us to stop planting weeds, start planting wheat, and allow there to be a life and a full life, an everlasting life, an amazing life. And that's the life you promised us. But we got to plant the right things. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for being here. Remember, we got prayer this Wednesday, either in person or online. We'd love to have you join us for that. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you soon.